Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the role podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We've got DJ Never here. Yo, what's up? We got DJ D Miles. What's good, y'all? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. We got a special guest, Las Vegas' very own, by way of Jersey Jersey, Dirty Jersey, my man Eddie McDonald. What up, Eddie Mac? Yo, what's up, fellas? Eddie. How you doing? And Yo. we got another special guest, a very, very special guest. We've been trying to get this motherfucker on here for a year. He was in town for a minute. He was acting bougie and stuck up and left early before he could meet us. <laughs> but yo, he's a great dude. He's um probably your favorite DJ's um favorite editor remixer right now. They're probably playing one of his edits right now. He's Vancouver's finest. Welcome DJ Nick Bike. What up, man? What's good? Welcome, yeah. welcome, welcome. So we've been trying to we try to get you. You was in Vegas uh for a hot second last year, right? Yeah, oh, top the, of this year, in February. Top of this was it. Oh, was it this year? Yeah, it was like February. I think he came for like a day or two, and he did a uh, Commonwealth. But the, the pandemic is like yeah. dog years, so it made us feel like. Oh no, this is centuries ago. <laughs> this is still so decades long ago. ago. Yeah, Ever. yeah, yeah. You was in town for a little bit, right? Yeah, it was like usually I try to get that seven a.m. back to Vancouver, so it's it's usually short and sweet. That's usually like. <laughs> the the most horrible flight to get out of that's Vegas. Harsh. That's like the, that's, yeah, that's like the worst. I'm gonna miss my fucking flight. It's at seven a.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that means you're a Vegas rookie. So last last time I almost missed my flight, but that's because my my Lyft driver had no idea where he was going. Never taking the uh, uh, the share option again. Not cheaping out on that. <laughs> oh wait 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 wait! You took the share. You took the share option in Vegas. He did the carpool joint. Oh shit! You a brave motherfucker, man. That's yeah, crazy. Did a few times. That shit is a little nutty. Yeah. Never again. Nah, don't yeah. do that. In, not in Vegas. That's crazy. She went to the airport. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I want to properly introduce you because I mean a lot of DJs, a lot of like big DJs appreciate your edits. They really appreciate your production. I mean. Yo, uh, never. You were just saying you were on Twitch watching uh, Jazzy Jeff, right? Um, yeah. Um, yesterday, and I swear, like seventy percent of the songs he was playing was <laughs> your mixes. That's amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, that's major. I, I saw that one too, and I was like, wow, he's he's got the bike crate on speed dial today. It was like back to back. <laughs> back, to back. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I think he he did like three or four right at the very start, and I was like, yeah, oh, oh shit, exactly, man. I was like, damn, that's some fucking good luck, man. Yeah. I mean, oh, when you man. have like when you have guys like Questlove shouting you out, and you have like a lot of like respected DJs and editors and producers in the game, like loving the shit that you do. You know, I kind of want to give a reference though. I want to, I want to play some of your edits if that's okay. If some of them, yeah. I feel like some of the standout 100%. joints. I feel like there's a story behind this, uh, this one joint, the Redbone, right? The Redbone remix uh-huh. that you did. What would you say was one of your biggest edits, like in the beginning? This was kind of making a lot of noise when it first came, when it dropped, right? That's definitely the biggest edit I've made. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like people listening and reposting and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What do you call it? Another one that I really, really, really loved was... um, the hey ya yeah, that you uh you sampled the clock sisters I'm that was a- just after 444 came out and i just kind of i don't know did my own thing with it yeah no nah, no nah, it was great i want to play a little bit of that okay hold yeah. on yeah. 
love the bridge. So good, so good. That's like one of my favorites. Yo, that's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, so and I always wanted someone to flip the beat because I fi- I love the Jay-Z song, but I feel like it was just wasn't it wasn't conducive in the club. It just did not mm-hmm. work. But my the last uh, pack I just sent to my subscribers has like a an updated one. It's like not halftime. So oh. it's more it's more consistently like kind of four four action. Oh shit! So, by the by the way, I'm kind of cheap, but I subscribe to your joint because <laughs> I've really wanted to. No way! It's like right now, no DJs are working. I could have asked like a DJ five or someone for your mentions, but I'm like, nah, I gotta support this guy. <laughs> Where the shit on us, never. Jeez. Kevin's going to get everybody else on the podcast for that. Oh, you cheap motherfuckers. <laughs> hey, yo, Nick, Nick, that's a big compliment because never is one of the cheapest motherfuckers I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, hey, never, you remember when we went out? We went out to go to Guitar Center and then like to the Apple store. And this was probably 15 years ago. Never wanted to pick up an MT- MPC. You got like the smaller one, the little blue, yeah. mm-hmm. like the eight hundred or something like that, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And I forget how much that was, but you're like, oh man, I, yeah. I don't really it wasn't even that much. It was like spend a lot of money at one rip like this. I said, come with me. I'm going to go buy a fucking Mac right now. And I bought like a, a G5 tower. It was like 38,000. <laughs> you're like, yo, thank you. I feel way better right now. I said, yeah, I did. One man, of man. us. <laughs> uh, what do you call it, Nick? So, wait, what did you join? His Patreon? You joined his Patreon, yes. yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're, you're, I know you were on Bandcamp. And uh, now you're on Patreon. When did you start Patreon? And well, what are the differences? I heard some stuff happened with Bandcamp. Uh, I heard yeah. you got targeted or something, right? I don't know if I got targeted. I think I just got found by someone who worked for a label, and and he would he uh, they whoever it was uh, ratted me out. Yeah, ratted me. Me and me and Danny Krivik got the axe at the same time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shit. That's what we. That's what <laughs> we call. That's, that's what we called getting targeted. Yo, you got targeted. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, someone put the the, the the lit on you, bro. Someone, I someone had it. good company, though, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Danny's no joke, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. His, his Mr. K page, he got ripped down. Oh, wow. No wonder I couldn't find it. I was looking for it before. So, like, they actually had a meeting about you, Nick. You know what I'm saying? An email was sent. They had a meeting. And they went to the lawyers, and the lawyers are like, "Yeah, we could do that. Let's make it happen." <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was someone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You so, can you can beep that out if you want after. Okay. <laughs> I think we. Got yeah. You. But what happened? What happened with that? Um, I mean, just out of the blue one day, Ben Camp sent me an email, and they're like, "You know, we we've shut your account down." <laughs> it was a. It was like a like a not an automated email. It was just someone someone working there and it like it wasn't long it was just like a couple sentences basically saying you know you've we caught you and or someone reported you i can't remember when was, when did this happen though it happened around the time when every when they, the copyright was, was kind of uh, going after instagram live streams and everything right around that yeah. time i think it was like late june or early july something like that mm-hmm. so it seemed like it was part of their crackdown right you were part of their crackdown totally <laughs> And and Julia like down, bro. and, and like like I don't know what I was thinking putting like artist names and full titles in Bandcamp. I think I just got really comfy there and right. I don't know. I I, I figured the axe would fall at some point, mm-hmm. but I didn't think it would be like you know bye. 
<laughs> so how did you move, how did you move all your people from there to Patreon? Was it a tough like uh, migration or was it easy for you? Um, I mean, I've spent quite a few years building my email list, so that mm-hmm. was like instrumental in making that switch over pretty painless. It's they're, they're kind of different metrics because um, like someone can just kind of stop into your band camp and they can they don't have to come back for however long they want. Whereas like a subscription yeah. model, they're kind of like, you know, they're there for, for at least a month or something. So when the, when Bandcamp notified you and they told you, did they just, did they totally like, what did they do to your account? They deleted it. Or what did they do? Yeah. Like if you punch in my old URL, actually, if you do it now, don't do it because I somehow like some, someone in China hacked it and it's, not a good thing to look at. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that, but they did it. Wow. Click on Nick's uh, account and you get two girls, one cup now. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a very vague email. Like they didn't tell me what it was for, like mm-hmm. what specifically caused it. Or I even asked them, I was like, like, you know, I have a couple things that were on there that were my own stuff if I can just have that back and you know I'll take everything else down and they were like for how many violations you had we can't do that so oh, wow. and then that was the end of that thread oh, shit. <laughs> oh wow that's crazy <laughs> but like nah fam this is it <laughs> so basically yeah. so basically your account was deleted right so you had to start a new one but you obviously couldn't uh like I guess upload all your your music that you had so were you like searching for different platforms to use or like, yeah, I, I didn't even think about making a new Bandcamp account. Right. If they did it once, like I what, I've been through the whole SoundCloud thing. Like they didn't delete my SoundCloud account, but I've been through like the strike thing. And mm-hmm. I had a couple friends who were on already using Patreon for some time, and I'd also been looking into uh, the Discord world at the same time. It just so happens those two uh, websites they they have like a you can easily kind of link link them mm-hmm. and work with like the subscription model and you can create you know portals to like vip sections and that kind of thing so i needed to find a way basically to put everything behind a wall yeah yeah because i, I don't want to press reset over and over and so you um, and you pretty yeah. much locked in on patreon right yeah and then so did you have to approach it differently on how you post like there's obviously some monthly subscription so do you have to say like well like, i gotta release this many edits a month since it's not Bandcamp and you have to like set a new routine for yourself pretty much, right? Yeah, like I put like a like a, a minimum like list of like what I'll probably put out every month. Right. And usually I go above that, but just just like a like a safe line to kind of like, you know, this is what you'll get at least. Yeah. I try to like, you know, make as many perks as I can because like, I mean, especially now like money's tight and yeah. DJs aren't working as yeah. much. You're at what? It says you're at like 315 uh, Patreons right now, so that's pretty good. My my initial goal was 500, so it, it'll take some time still. It must have been so devastating and frustrating though to have, to get shut down during the pandemic, and you know, there's no gigs and shit, and then they're like, "God damn, the labels are coming after me about this shit now." <laughs> yeah. It it you know honestly, it didn't suck for too long because the the one thing that would have really like broken my heart is if I didn't regularly uh download uh my email captures from it Mm. because every time everything that i posted for on there for free the only thing i required was an email so that those go into like my little database there and very smart um 
Very smart. But when they when they emailed me and deleted my account, like I didn't have like a second chance to kind of go into the back mm-hmm. end of it and kind of get what I needed. Like it was all gone. So yeah. if I didn't do that uh, regularly, like that, I don't know. There was probably like thirty five fourth. 3,500, 4,000 emails in there. Yeah. That's really scary, man. That's why I always look at these platforms and like a, a lot of that shit, I, I think what you did was like really, really smart to ca- to get all those emails that you can because those emails are gold, man. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think people realize the, the email contacts is really gold and they should be incorporating that in a lot of the shit they do, even like with Twitch or whatever the fuck, if yeah. possible. It's easy to mute notifications from social media, I think, but like everybody still uses email. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they unsubscribe, but like they're more likely to look at it there, I think, than, you know, yeah. everybody's got yeah. notifications coming from Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever. You know, we're homies with Marvel, you know, and, and the freshest crew out there in Vancouver. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been big fans of your production, man. And uh, I got, you know, you've been DJing for a minute. You've been juggling club work and i talked to marvel for a little bit you know he says you've been you know even when you came here in vegas you were juggling like three to four residencies in vancouver and you were doing production at the same time i mean how, how do you what kind of schedule do you set for yourself like my schedule used to be right what uh, it, before the all, pandemic yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i treated it like a full-time job basically so yeah my wife was doing like eight to five uh at an office so like when she's out of the house, those are my office hours. So mixing stuff down and doing those kind of kind of things, and not trying to put all my eggs in one basket in terms of like just DJing. Like DJing was going really good, like five nights a week, and then doing the, the like things like Vegas on top of that, which was awesome. And so I have a question. I don't know if it, maybe it's a two part. Um, for you DJing, you were DJing four or five nights a week in the city. I feel like a lot of people don't really know how dope and how diverse Vancouver is as a city, uh, especially musically. I've had the privilege of DJing there a few times and I've I've seen it, but for you, like was DJing more so the inspiration behind the production or was that a separate love that you just did on your own? But I feel like a lot of the DJs that produce um, being in the club helps their ear, helps their sound. You know what I mean? So was that the yeah, same? Yeah, it started out just like trying to make tools that I could use. And then I had like friends who were DJs would, come out and they'd be like like oh like can i get those and then like people were just asking for them i give them to them like i don't care like i'm making yeah. them anyway yeah i did that for, <laughs> did that for a long time where it was just like you know i'm making these anyway like here you go mm-hmm. i wasn't necessarily spending a ton of time on them but then like i mean one thing leads to another when you you're trying to make things you're like oh like i'll take this one step further and then the next time you learn some new things and you take it another step and it just kind of go down that wormhole of and then now that we don't have the club as easily as easily accessible to us as far as djs is your process a little different when you're maybe you're in the studio a lot more versus being in the club Um, and being able to test things out and whatnot i keep thinking about this like i haven't downloaded a new rap song in like three months (laughs) so my i was doing edits and remixes with that kind of stuff before but like like there's no I don't know. I've even tried playing like a club set at home and just like, I don't, I'm not into this at all. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of my time goes into like now, like doing the stuff that I really enjoy and making stuff for like the the sets that I am playing. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also just like the people who I kind of want to get stuff into the hands to, like I'm watching their sets and I'm like, like, what are they playing? And 
you know, where, what could I make that could kind of squeeze my way into that set? And so, and, uh, who, who, yeah. are the, who are the DJs? Well, I mean, like, I watched Jeff and like yeah, I've yeah. watched Quest and uh, Bastard, and like, these are all like my favorite tastemakers and DJs. And mm-hmm. as you start getting the attention of these well known DJs, do you feel that, you know, these well-known DJs like Jazzy Jeff, Questlove, right? Scratch Bastard. They don't do normal clubs. Like, they do a lot of special events. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. the music is very different at special events. Not much different, but it, it is very different. The energy is different. It's a different platform. You have a showcasing Yeah, it's a very showcase event. thing. So my, my question is, is that, is it, are you juggling, like, making, like, like actual edits or remixes that that work in a club environment or specifically now they're they're kind of moving to these special events or like showcases where these high profile DJs will will play your music do you know what i mean or do you think they yeah. kind of intertwine to both i mean i'm still like like i'm doing the things i want to do but i'm still like stockpiling stuff like for when we come back like when things are back to normal like you know Mm-hmm. I'm going to be full of ammo and I'm going to be ready to go. And I have a question. A, yeah. a lot of you, I'm editing like um, 70s, 80s, funk, soul, disco, house. Where did your knowledge of music come from? Like, from knowing all the, those types of genres of music? Yeah, because you're fairly young, mm-hmm. right? Well, how old are you? I'm 30. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No offense, so but fir- no offense, but to me, that's like a baby at thirty. <laughs> that's a no, young, well, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a for, young game. for the amount of knowledge that you have <laughs> uh, for music. I think it's like you know what I'm saying. You're making like, you know, Cuddy Ranks flips. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's pretty dope. <laughs> but that is man. Like, yeah. yeah. Where did your knowledge come from? Like, the the first uh, records I started buying were uh, like French Touch, like um, house records. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was from those records I started learning about sampling, and all those samples are are disco records, and yeah. so um, that's where I started digging into like disco and like post disco R and B soul type stuff, and and then from that like I had like an interest in like like classic hip hop, and then from the learning about the sampling thing, like I started diving into those samples, which were like a lot of like, you know, funk, soul, rare groove type stuff. And, and that's the stuff I still enjoy doing, like go down Discogs, YouTube wormholes for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm also like really lucky when I had my, um, when I had my gigs, I had two gig, two gigs a week where I was playing 45. So I was, I was pulling those records out every week. Uh, multiple times and um so I, I like i still buy records and how how deep is your 45 collection because i just started <laughs> here we go <laughs> i mean it, it's not that crazy i just because I, I feel like i'm kind of fussy with what i buy mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of it isn't cheap <laughs> no yeah <laughs> but uh i don't know i mean i've got like eight or nine boxes or something of seven it's not it's not crazy 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 but it, it, it they're mine and and i think they're dope and that's what matters right exactly yeah <laughs> you you did a vinyl party in vancouver right you were doing like an all vinyl yeah like my i did a thursday night with flip out every week at at a lounge that we did and uh i did every shout, tuesday yeah, shout the flip out by the way yeah yeah. Them, yeah and i did a tuesday uh which is now a friday that's like the one gig i have back uh, that I've been doing for five or six years now. That it, it's so interesting because 
when I go through your your catalog of edits and remixes, it's so it's so scattered. You know, it's like Tribe Called Quest Everywhere. over. Yeah, it's like Tribe Called Quest over all night long to like you know <laughs> a, a Jay Z uh, primo flip of one in a million. You know, <laughs> and then like you had like uh, this one. Uh, let me play some of this shit. I, I want to play this Cuddy Ranks because I was like, yo, like. Who, that shit was impressive as a who, motherfucker. Who thought bro. to like <laughs> flip this Cuddy Ranks limb by limb shit? Hold on, hold on. Let me play this. It's like it has a, a very so like <laughs> it has like a, a yeah like you know shame on a new you know like yeah. it has a very like late nineties early two thousands mashup feel but it's like refined you know what I'm saying like you did another one that sounds so mashup well, it sounds so two thousands I'll say you, something about that last one yeah. that was uh, the the first and only beat uh, that I ever did on an SB twelve hundred. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So when you hit like the the buzziness in the in the piano is all from like the 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 SP. Oh, but wow. I did that with my friend uh, Greg. He goes by the stuntman, and he's a uh, mm-hmm. he's a mastering engineer in here in Vancouver. And uh, I was just at his. I went to his studio one day, and we just kind of made that beat for fun. And then I was like, you know, we should put something over this, and it was it was completely random by choice. But it, I mean, you know. It's fun and so is that is that what you do? You like kind of you find a beat, you remake the beat, you fuck with the beat a little bit, and then you just kind of look for acapellas or or anything that's in key that you can kind of layer over it. Yeah, sometimes I mean just stuff to like you know keep sets fresh and interesting and mm-hmm. different, and that's the one thing is just like ev- like everybody has access to almost everything now. So I'm not like a scratch bastard who can juggle and cut crazy. So there's like there's other ways I have to find ways to stand out and yeah not not a lot of us are scratch bastards yeah like- <laughs> nobody <laughs> is fucking scratch no, no, not close <laughs> bringing up scratch though I, one of my favorite edits that you just released was with him though that little collaboration of uh yeah the the YBN Corday that yeah, shit yeah. was bananas bro it was a great fucking record to play and it, Thanks, man. Yeah. I love the record regardless but what what y'all did to that shit. I don't know if Kirkley you could play that, but what y'all did to that fucking record, it was not much going on, but the breakdown of the beat, the scratching, it, you know, you could tell Thanks, that was scratching. But no, that. that 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 record is a uh, that just that was very great. I know Nick 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 Bike has this like a you have a very like you grew up in the eighties nineties kind of like you know vibe. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. For being so I, young, like a lot of the things you did, like you did a blow the whistle too short over uh, Donna Summer Bad Girl. That shit was not so. Too. Wait, wait, wait. This, this on paper, right? This sounds like something someone would have emailed me in two thousand and five, right? <laughs> on a and, and on I, a Holotronics twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would have, and I would have been like, "This is this sounds horrific. Like I'm not gonna down, I'm not gonna download this at all, you know." But I played it, and I'm like, "Wait, let me play a little bit. Hold on." I go on and on. Can't understand how I last so long. I must have superpowers, rap 225,000 hours. Get a calculator, do the math. I made a thousand songs that made you move your ass. And for the last 300 months. And it fucking works. Like, it, it works. <laughs> and they fuck. Where you get your beats? I heard 93 rappers say bitch like me. 
two singers and ten comedians And I'm still gonna yell it every time you see me in What's my favorite word? Why they gotta say it like short? You know they can't play on my court This is the part right here They can't stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle So I was like, God damn, that shit sounds good Like but on paper, I would have been like, yo, that shit is horrible. Why, why would they make this sale? It's, it's, it's really good. I was messing with the stems one day, and it was just like a silly idea that came to my head. It's like, uh, oh, that'd you, be fun to play in like a warm-up or a patio set type thing. <laughs> you, which stems were you messing with? Uh, the Bad Girls, the Donna Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good, man. It's really yeah. good. It's are, yeah, are, you, are you related to Nardwire by any fucking chance? Because <laughs> no. your music knowledge is just as crazy oh, as his. God. Yeah. Y'all both from British uh, Columbia, Vancouver. Yeah. Both wear glasses. I don't know. I, I feel like he's related to Four Color Zach a little bit. Oh, ah, I see it. <laughs> How many times have you heard that? Huh? Uh, like when around like from like 2011 to 2014. Yeah. Quite a bit. That's good. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Um, I, I want to talk about, uh, let's see. I want to talk about recently on Twitter, right? I do want to talk about your music a little bit more. Mm, uh, let's talk about this Twitter. On, recently on Twitter, like, I've been seeing, you know, everybody posting their Spotify streams. You know, DJ producers po- posting their Spotify streams. And, and they're like, oh, like I hit, you know, half a million. I hit you know, a million streams. And then all of these bank camp deep, like producer ass motherfuckers started like being like, man, fuck your streams. Y'all ain't making no money. (laughs) And they're like, yo man, like you, you could take those streams, man. We making more money off of a band camp motherfucker. And they were just saying all that shit. Is that like, is, was there a little like tit for tat going on over there? No, but I used to be (laughs) that guy back in my band camp days. (laughs) <laughs> now you patreon like you above all that bullshit now <laughs> well i don't know about above it because you you you, but, you posted something right like you're like they're like it takes how many streams to equal one bank well, sale yeah i mean like from the first times that i i was like putting some music on spotify like i checked like how much it takes to make like a certain amount and like mm-hmm. like it's it's not good especially when like you know uh you're not getting those numbers and you know a number that like looks big like hundred thousand streams sounds like you know pretty good to a young kid but like the the payout for the amount of effort you probably have to do to get those hundred thousand streams is like i'm not saying like not like obviously like there's different reasons to do music other than money but like when you're trying to see some kind of like pay out like that and you're trying to pay some rent like that's not good do you think it's possible for spotify to find a way to make the platform more viable for up-and-coming producers as yourself off the top of my head no no right like i saw uh what was it a three or four weeks ago they posted that thing where uh i forget the details you can like apply for like playlisting or something there's like a a more accessible way to get access to playlisting. But then it's just like, it gives access to everybody. So everybody's going to be trying to do it. So like, Oh no, it was um, for a percentage of your stream revenue. They'll give you extra access to playlists. And I was just like, Oh wow. (laughs) 
that's found. okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like at this point, Spotify really is like a marketing tool, right? Because people like artists aren't really gaining that much revenue from it. So it's really about marketing and highlighting like up and coming new artists or whatever featuring them and it's all about the playlist pretty much right i mean i'm not like i'm not the spotify scientist yeah. to give the right answers but like it's it's playlists that will that can make or break you basically and mm-hmm. and even paying to get on playlists is like that's not even a guarantee so and then the traction that you got on Bandcamp has like has that like really changed your career early on Bandcamp income with regular DJ income. Yeah. Was good. It's a good life. <laughs> <laughs> My man was balling, bro. It was good, huh? There's, there's a reason why yeah. he got targeted, right? With Danny Craig. They came at him quick, boy. <laughs> you guys ever think about doing a collab? Like doing like an edit pack and like, you know, or or like, uh, you know. Me, me and Bandcamp? <laughs> no, you and, you and Danny getting together. And- oh, Laughing on some as the two that were singled out, like oh man, I wish. Oh, amazing. Most wanted. <laughs> yeah, he he set up a a website now just for all that. Nice. I saw it, it like go from like the the, the start like the, from scratch phase to like him launching it. So he he had to come up with something else as well. Is that yeah. something you thought about or no? I mean, I've had my website for pretty much since I started DJing. So, but like I do some stuff through there but it's hard to keep stuff behind a wall there that was like one of my main things i needed to do on my next step was like i can't have this stuff just like out in the open uh when i'm trying to make a couple bucks off it because they're gonna get me again what, what do you mean by building a wall up what does that mean like stuff that's like Bandcamp. you can like stream something and listen to it before you buy it mm-hmm. but i needed something that was like okay if you want to see this you have to do x or do y to go see it so right okay it's not just like you know some label guy can just go snoop around and find some stuff right they got to be a member they got to have a login they got to check in that's interesting because i was thinking the whole time that you have such a respected name right that you could almost create your own crooklyn clan website if you want (laughs) you know like I mean, it, it kind of is. Yeah, it's it's subscription based, and mm-hmm. I have a record pool. It's like a mini record pool, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the whole building the wall. You have to get the subscription in order to get the yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a baby record pool over here. Yeah, it's like one third of 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 what a typical record pool <laughs> would cost. <laughs> People have asked me about that. I'd be like, why don't you just start your own record pool? I'm like, not a chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a record pool, but you know, I would call it like Nick's bike shop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> And then have some merch up there and then have like a login, you know, and then maybe through the, you know, through the back of the, sh- the online shop, there's a, of merch. There's an actual kind of like, you know, a login for like people to download music and also check out motherfuckers that you work with, you know. Um, I would subscribe well, to Dick's Bike Shop. That sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Sounds I mean, cool. I, I like I thought of it for a bit, but it was just like, no, like the it was like the amount of commitment i would have put towards that and yeah it's a lot of execution it's a lot of i was on the dj city team for a bit and it's just having like a quota was kind of just like i wouldn't say like like sucking the fun out of it but it's just like you know some months i'm on a roll and i've got 30 ideas and Mm -hmm. some months i've got like five ideas and only two of them are good 
in my head. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that could be a lot of pressure. (laughs) Yeah. And especially like, you know, like not everything I, I would send to them, like gets posted and, and, you know, that's, they're trying to cater to their, their thing or whatever that like, I totally get it, but Mm -hmm. it's also kind of like, you know, you're, you're trying to get stuff out there. Um, and when it doesn't get posted, like maybe you're meeting a quota, but it's like, you know, I'm trying to share these things with people. That's the purpose of me doing this. So in, in the, in a perfect world, in what is your end game for this? What would be, what, what would you want for your career in five years? And I feel like your age right now, 30, is like the best time in your career ever. It's literally when, you, no, it's like, I'm not even lying. It's like, it's really when a lot of DJ careers start blossoming in the early 30s for every DJ. Because they're at the peak of their music catalog knowledge. You know, their club experience is up there. And they've just really spent the last 10 years. Because obviously we all kind of start DJing either in our teens or early 20s, right? So as we like, as we gradually lead up to our 30s, in our 30s, you you know, it's really when you hear a DJ at his best, I would think. So like in the next five years, I feel like are important. I I really, I I think a lot of great things are going to start happening to you. I mean, they already are, but even more great things are going to happen. But what would be in a perfect world the end game for where your career would be in five years. My five-year plan from like January is definitely completely different to where it is now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I'm gonna gonna have a daughter in April. So wow, congrats, congrats, uh, congrats bro. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. So there, there's definitely a lot to consider right now, and um, right now I'm taking like a, a boot camp for front-end web development. So I'm mm. trying to like keep my options open and like pre-approving a mortgage right now. And wow. So I've had a lot of, a lot of like, I mean, we've all had a lot to think, a lot of time to think about like, you know, what, what the future is going to be like. And mm-hmm. I'm not like a hundred percent sure that I necessarily want to do like five, six nights a week. The more I thought about it, it was like, like what are my favorite gigs? And my favorite gigs are usually the ones where I'm, traveling and like because those are most often like the people who you know they ask like do you want to come play our party chances are if they're asking me to come play like it's it's the right fit and it's fun and and you know i love traveling and i love going to see friends in different cities and Mm -hmm. it's awesome to hang out and the other the other part of it is like in terms of like living expenses and stuff like i want to own a house one day and the housing market in Vancouver is just like, it's, it's awful. Like I'm looking at at least million and a half just to own like a piece of shit shack. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sounds like LA. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Vancouver's like top five in the world as far as real estate from what I've read. Like it's yeah. crazy up there. Yeah. It's not good. So like I'll probably, well, for sure in five years, probably be living like, maybe like not too far away, but like I'll be in the suburbs somewhere. Um, so it, it won't be convenient to have like, you know, five nights a week in, in downtown Vancouver. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to leverage this subscription thing now while I can. And then till we kind of get back to normal in terms of nightlight stuff and then, you know, kind of evaluate from there. And, and uh, when you were DJing, what, what was your favorite, 
you know, what were your favorite parts about DJing? Just when you got to play whatever you wanted? Um, was it the crowd, you know, the crowd feedback, the controlling the crowd, reading the room? You know, it, it, it really depends. Like, my, my taste kind of changes every day, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very lucky when I had my regular gigs is that I had, um, they all kind of varied. So I got a little bit of taste of everything every week. Um, like Monday, I had started a Motown on Mondays in Vancouver. And Tuesday, I played like Soul 45s. And Thursday, I was playing like disco and Latin sevens with Flip Out. And Friday was like a pop gig. And then Saturday was kind of like a bottle service type thing. Um, and then I also had a Tuesday that was like kind of like a big room spot. So I got a taste of that as well. I've definitely learned from my mistakes previously of like the types of gigs that I would take. And like, you know, you, you meet managers and owners and stuff and you can, you can get it a pretty good impression of like the type of person they are when you meet, well, and anyone for that matter. But like, I'm, I'm so over like, like shady nonsense, bullshit, waste time that like the, the, the circuit's not that big and people talk and people know things. And it's like, you know, you want to work for someone who is not shitty to work for, you know, you're in the wrong business, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's the thing though. Like, I hate to break it to you, buddy. <laughs> but like I had, I had those spots where like, you know, I had good relationships with people and yeah. I was like it, like one or two gigs, like, were a paycheck, but like the people were good and I didn't have to, I didn't have to fight with for anything or get to get paid or anything. So yeah, yeah. those good. are things I'm thankful for. From what you said, like your, your weekly schedule, it looks like you were able to hit so many dope vibes. Like you had your 45 thing, you had the Latin soul here and there. And then you, and then one of the nights you had your pop gig. And I think that diversity and you being able to really connect to a lot of the music you play, because that was the theme of these parties, whether it was the Motown on Mondays and stuff, it's it's therapeutic. I mean, you know, yeah. I know I bring it up a lot when I come on the on, on the podcast, but it's like out here, like the grind in, in the in, in the majority of the Vegas places, it's like, yeah, the money can be really good. Uh, you know, the sets can be long at times, but it's like. If you don't connect to that shit that you got to play out here, like the open format stuff, it's like, you know, it's, it becomes a little work for a lot of us. I, I'm speaking for myself for sure. I, I no, I agree. Getting more than me. I fucking love it, but I really hit a point where I'm like, nah, this isn't why I got into it, man. It feels like work now. Why am I dragging my ass and having fucking anxiety attacks going to work right now? Yeah. Oh, because I don't want to hear that shit again. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's always been, it's been tough, but, uh, you know, but, it, it, you know, yeah. I mean, Not, no, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why Eddie, uh, that's why Eddie Mac uh, he's uh, he, now he's now he's uh, he has his own agency and he's taking care of DJs and telling him what to do now right yeah it's exactly. a lot easier <laughs> in, in a good way man I mean I you know whatever but, but I'm I, you know I'm thankful because my kind of disgruntlement with my my state I'm not saying DJing as a whole but where I was working although I love the places it it really motivated me to say okay concentrate more on this company and that's what i did i you know well eddie eddie you have your own pretty much your own dj agency right here in vegas you do a yeah. lot of bookings for mgm and and local spots around and whatnot yeah. and you and, it's, and is this how you and nick bike linked up pretty much 
Well, no. The, well, when you when you started the pod, when you started the show today, you mentioned you know when Nick was. I guess that was when when Crooked mentioned about last time you were in Vegas. That's when we linked yeah. Cricket's party. You know, yeah. you do Cricket's Playhouse at Commonwealth, and she had me on the party as well. She wanted me to come and do like a, a throwback dance hall set. Oh, DJ Cricket, Cricket. Yeah, okay. yeah. Vegas is finest, man. By yeah. way of Wisconsin, one of the you know yeah. one of the coolest and. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's like a butterfly that that comes into mm-hmm. a room, you know? It's like, yeah, she's just like... <laughs> she dances, She she's in the art world. Her music knowledge is amazing. Her DJ skills are amazing. And she's just a good person. And it's yeah. one of my favorite people that I ever, that I ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, yeah, so she does that amazing party, her and MPR and a bunch of other people in the crew uh, up uh, on the rooftop of uh, Commonwealth. Commonwealth, yeah. Nick was on headlining that night and, you know, we both got there early and we were in this, she had this little kind of roped off section and we were just, we connected there. Oh, and, nice. Um, you know, I, I played, I think, I, did you, play, I think you played right after me. Oh no, I think you played after, I forget. But in any case, that was the first and unfortunately live, the only time <laughs> I got to Nick, but I was like, you know, he fucking works. He fucking <laughs> works. I, I, like when you look at like I would have my head down and years ago, probably smoking a cigarette or doing a shot or something like <laughs> completely unanimated, waiting for the let. Not proud of it, but to see somebody come in just fired up and just constantly doing something yeah. and everything that he's doing is just it makes sense and it worked. And I was like, yeah, that's 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 <laughs> why I got into DJing. You know, Thanks, inspired by stuff like that, and you know, just a just a great dude. And really, that was the only time we connected in real time, like in person. And but we we kept the link, and um, you know, yeah, I'm a big fan, as you know. <laughs> so yeah, man, I love that we're spot. Gonna make, we're gonna make some moves, so I'm excited. Yes. Nice. So you guys are linking up. Are you guys uh? Are you guys exclusive? Are you dating? Are you, are you only studying? <laughs> How serious is this? How serious is this? Nick is not is having this? my child. Nick is not, the, the kid that's getting born, born in April is not. <laughs> no, but, you, uh, no, what no, I, 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 I want to work with people that I'm fans of. Yeah. Uh, on a personal level, on a professional level, talent wise, I just think. You know, the synergy I, I saw from day one. I mean, you know, you look at like a lot of the guys that we kind of move with from, you know, Mel and Zoe. And it's just the synergy with Nick and, and Mac agency. It's just it's it, it's it's there. And I, I would definitely we're looking forward to what the future brings. Because, nice. uh, you know, so, you know, Nick hasn't rested this whole time during COVID. You know, there's always a silver lining. I say it every probably every day of this thing. There's always a silver lining. Silver lining for us is that we planted seeds elsewhere. We kept our relationships with every place that we worked with strong and intact. And we're really, we're pumped to see what's on the other side of fucking yeah. COVID shit, man. Wow. I hear you. You know, Nick, I, I got to say in the sets that I've checked out of you, it's funny because you have these like nineties DJing sensibilities. Like you're still taking acapellas and mixing and blending them live over even your yeah. own production beats or, you know, <laughs> like it's a very weird concept because I would think someone at your age would just play the edit, but you actually take the time to like play, play, you know, the acapella mix in and blend it with one of your beats and then, you know, mix it out and then do that process over and again, which is actually very similar to what Eddie McDonald, Eddie used to do live blends in the club. Right. Right. Nev. He, he did, he yeah, did it that, he, he was, he was like, doing it that night at where we played at oh, Commonwealth. Yeah. 
<laughs> insane. Like Eddie, you're probably one of the best, like timing wise, beat matching motherfuckers that I know. And you don't yeah. touch the dish at all. You don't touch yeah. the vinyl at all. It's pitch all riding. You, yeah. You just <laughs> well, that was yeah, that was I never forget I, when I was still DJing the jet lounge in New York. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my best friend from back home is Johnny Vicious uh, from, you know, he's producer and DJ. And he was kind of my mentor, brought me into like the house music world, got to sit in the studio with him for countless records that he made, which was amazing. I, I'm, I was really blessed back then. But he, I remember he said, bro, don't touch the fucking platter. Fucking. And I'm like, <laughs> OK. And it stuck with me. And that's not like this iron clay like this the law it was just what i what the advice that he gave me and it it always was more comfortable for me mm -hmm. but then like friends of ours like you know like matty o you know when he would dj he actually mods the the 1200s he'll take the platter off and there's three transistors one of them i think you cut off and when you touch the platter the platter doesn't jump it stays kind of smooth so you can't really hear that oh really yeah, yeah, he he modded mine. I'm like, Maddie, please just don't cut transistors out of my fucking. Leave <laughs> <laughs> alone. And he modded them, but he's like, dude, you got to get them modded. <laughs> but yeah, I never touched. But isn't it, yo, Eddie? Isn't it? It's very rare to see DJs nowadays, especially at Nick's at Nick's age, doing shit like that. They don't have to do like. Do you know Art. what I mean? But you know what, Nick? Let me let me ask you this: as somebody that does both edit, see, but there's a huge difference between the edits that Nick does and something that's as stripped down as say like a blend. Yeah. A blend as far as I'm concerned, acapella over an instrumental. Mm -hmm. Mashup is a telling more of a story. Edit is along those same lines is like, you're actually recreating something and stuff like that. But like, I would do like live shit at like light and then we would do it in the studio and then I play the stu like the pre-made version. Yeah. There's something that happens. There's something about the energy when a DJ does it live that even if the audience doesn't realize what they're doing, yeah, the forward that you get on the dance floor and just the vibe and the energy comes over a lot stronger if you do it live. That's interesting. It's where I've always felt it. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I don't know yeah. if Nick, if you've if you've noticed that at all, but it, there's something, you know. I think part of wanting to still do that came a lot from developing three style sets. Mm. And I was always kind of thinking like, you know, uh, I always had the mindset when I was making those sets be like, I should always be, you know, if I'm not doing something, I should be like going to do something mm -hmm. right after that. I'm not saying I do it all the time. Like, you know, mm -hmm. play, play blend edits all the time. And, but sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's fun to just kind of, you know, free ball it and just have fun. Yeah, DJs have to have fun. Do they? I didn't know that. I just thought that. <laughs> There's some DJs that don't have fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's and I I definitely look like I don't I don't have fun even if I'm having. Did you dog that? Like I'm like no, I'm having a fucking great time. I'm wasted right now. You're drinking? I'm like, yeah, I'm like drinking a bottle of tequila already. I'm having a great time. They're like, oh, you haven't picked your head up once, and you look miserable. But but don't you think that's but, how all DJs? in early days we we didn't want to look like we were having fun we wanted to look kind of cool and dark and and just yeah. and play the music like nowadays the djs are like doing fucking 
choreography moves and shit. Jumping and like, up and down. And, they, and they're like, <laughs> and they're Jumping like, back. they're looking at the crowd like, come on, you. And, they're, and the three stylers are like singing the words like, nah, let's pump it up, pump it up. And then I'm over here like, I got to do that shit. Like now, is that what has to get done? And I like Nick. I like Nick. He's doing the three style. He's like, he's to himself. He's doing some dope shit. Fucking he's calm. Yeah, yeah. ever. You know, you just you, all you needed was like a cigarette, like you know, on some AM <laughs> shit. You know how AM used to have the cigarette hanging from his mouth and doing all of this crazy shit, looking like he didn't give a fuck. Like I miss, I miss those days, man. Yeah, when it, when motherfuckers <laughs> just look so cool. It's such a difference, like watching like a Mark Ronson or an AM DJ, and like kind of does not give a fuck. Like, why am I here? look on their face <laughs> and then the crowd is having like orgasms they, at the same time. They didn't time. have to get on the microphone. No. <laughs> they, just, they just played the music yeah. and that was it. Yeah. But yeah. I, that was very smooth. I like your I like your style, Nick, the way you come up. Did you always well, did you, go ahead. Sorry. So I was gonna say so where I went to uh like university and uh like I said there was only there was only so many DJs there. So um we used to get uh, when team Canada and the a team were a thing, oh, uh, they were, they were always coming through like, you know, every, I don't know, every like month or two, we'd always have one of those guys coming in and I would always get to open for them. So I would get to, you know, you know, like head spin pump, uh, keys and crates were a thing then still when they were doing like, kind of like the mashup band type thing, uh, versus like what they are now. And, uh, like Grand Theft and DR1 Man. and uh, Illo and Drastic, who are now Thug, or not uh, Tom Rex and Drastic, who are Thugly now. Um, so they were all coming through where I lived and I got to open for all those guys. And, you know, they were, they were like the best party rocking DJs in Canada for sure. And like that, like I, I mean, they were all like, I know Grand Theft and DR1, they were always in LA and they were part of AM's thing. And um, so I got to kind of watch and learn from mm-hmm. kind of the cream of the crop of Canada, basically. And uh, especially uh, Bass would always come through because he, like, he's from Maritimes and he was living in Montreal mostly uh, when I was in school. So he would come to PEI like probably three times a year. And he always played this one spot called Baba's. And it was just like an upstairs spot above a Lebanese restaurant held like 80 people. <laughs> and it would just turn into a sweat box. And he was just playing like, like rap and party hits. And he would just destroy the place. Insane. <laughs> so there, there was like things like that, that kind of shaped me to on how I would practice and style my method, my methods of DJing and, I mean, what? Who better to learn from than a guy like Bastard? He's still like he's my favorite still, and he's he's definitely uh, opened doors for me. Um, and he's also like literally the best human. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's yeah. just across the board, just talent wise, personality wise, and, just- and he makes great hot sauce. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Yo, he really seriously. does. He Yo, really does. does. <laughs> This is a good as that unboxing bro. video I did for when I when I got my first shipment of Bastards. Uh, the- Man, 
problem. Nah. <laughs> I'll tag you guys on the IG. Yo, that, that garlic hot sauce is fire. Oh, it's the best. That's the number. That's the two. best. Yeah, we need yeah, to night. It's crazy. We need to get sponsored by a bastard's uh, barbecue sauce. <laughs> For real, we mentioned that damn sauce yeah. like four times. This is bull. This is bullshit. I'm not. I'm not mentioning his sauce anymore until we get like a free case of that. Scratch. Have to beep it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, you know, like a bottle of hot sauce on the screen behind when we do the. <laughs> I'll get him all that branding, like just a. Yo, I, I know he's got like the the king bottle too. Oh, he oh, does. Yeah, oh, I've wow. seen that. Shit, yeah, man. he got the magnum. He got the magnum. Yeah. <laughs> got the magnum, bro. Bottle <laughs> <laughs> presentation with like that. With like. Yo, I've been I've been kind of dying to try that jerk seasoning too. I, was, yeah. I saw that on his website. I was like, I haven't had that one yet. Yo, do you yeah. that, you bottle break. That? Do you hear that, man? Scratch bastard. You need a sponsor row podcast, man. Enough hey, of that bullshit. Cookie, when he got mailed to your house, didn't the bottle break? Yeah, he said, I got, yeah, Red Bull. I think it was Red Bull, right? Red Bull sent us some shit. It was shit. Red Bull yeah. for his uh, oh, yeah. stream. Yeah, Red Bull sent us, sent me two bottles of the the hot sauce, and then one of them broke, and I was, I've never been really oh. upset. I was, I was pretty upset. <laughs> and I finished that, that and I finished People that one were- bottle that he sent in like maybe a week. That was uh-huh. like I was putting that shit on everything, yo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. Sequel bottles on Real. the road with him, and we yeah. before he played it on the record when we had him, we went to best friend for dinner, and he busted it out. Me and <laughs> he carried it with him. Like we're like freaks for hot food. Like we we try and push the envelope. We want to go in tears. We do the fucking <laughs> fucking thing, and like like tears, man. And like he passed it around, and I was like. I was blown away, man. <laughs> yeah, I was DJing a best friend that night. It was kind of crazy how you guys oh, were passing right. that bottle around. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. It was like a joint, but it was a hot sauce. Yeah. It's just like you just keep seeing these. This going yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah, we there. made that little tiny bottle stretch because he's like, "Oh no, keep it." I'm like, "I see what you're doing here. You just yeah. you, motherfucker." And I, I was just like, "Yeah, we got it on order ship now." <laughs> That's dope. Have you? Do you feel like it's been pretty much in your come up during in Canada, it, like? Is it, do, does everyone pretty much fuck with each other in Canada? You guys are so nice, so I don't, oh. I don't see Canadian DJs having beef with each other. I mean, the, yeah, it happens. It does? <laughs> I'm not going to say it doesn't. It really? I can't see Canadian DJs beefing I at can't all. see it either. I can't see it either. Y'all motherfuckers no. are so nice, yo, for real. No, it, ha- it happens. Really? But I, I, I stay out of trouble. <laughs> I, Smart. I have, Smart. I have those conversations when I'm like, drunk at the club with a couple friends and yeah i i, I stopped my drunk twitter days a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking yo Twitter's dangerous right now man oh my god it's so what sensitive it's so there's nobody sensitive. there's nobody around people to like distract them from tweeting some dumb shit at like 5 a.m oh, yeah <laughs> oh, fucking send like the dj twitter is the most sensitive fucking shit i've ever seen in in a minute yo they got rid of member. Do you remember shit DJ, the shit DJ account? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. God, man, I kind of wish it would come back. I think now is the time to bring that account back. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, oh, it's, the shit DJs say yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> or no, there was no. It was just called shit DJ. Shit, shit DJ. Shit shit DJ account. DJs. <laughs> I was looking for the shit DJ. Oh no, uh, the, the one I was thinking of was uh, DJs complaining. DJs. Oh, complaining. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a, there's, Nobody, an, yeah, there's an Instagram one like angry DJs and all of this shit. Yeah. Nobody's on an airplane anymore to complain. So, <laughs> you know, a- after our, our Joe Maz episode, someone started Flat Earth DJs on Twitter. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Did they really? Yeah, and they started coming at like Road Podcast and me, 
and then they just stopped. <laughs> I think the person like the next day was like, "What am I doing? Why am I starting this account?" <laughs> Like, like, yeah, like, why am I doing this? This is fucking stupid. Uh, Oh, man. (laughs) Yo, Nick, I got a question, man. You did the the, the Red Bull 3 style, right? You did, Mm -hmm. you won 2013 and 2015, right? In Canada. Uh, No, uh, 13 was just Vancouver when they were doing cities. And then 15 was when they split it into Western and Eastern Canada. And I, I won the Western part. And, and then and then I, you and you came in second in 2017, right? Uh, yes. For all of yeah. Canada, pretty much, right? For Canada, yeah. yeah. Yeah, is is that something you were into the three style? Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it the more I did it, the more I kind of actually hated it. But I was, you I know, was, it, it, I was going to ask you. I'm let you finish, but I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So uh, the more I did it, the more I kind of hated it because it it really. It's not like a really realistic DJ scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a working DJ, so I'm used to playing four or five, six hours a night. And, you know, I have my peaks and my valleys in, in a set. And right. I'm not ever cramming, you know, 30 mm-hmm. songs into 15 minutes kind of thing. It's funny. Um, it's funny because I was, I was looking at your 2017 set on YouTube. And I I don't watch that many Red Bull three style sets, you know. I can just take so much of it. But yeah. I listened to the whole thing of yours, and it was probably the most musical set that I've heard. And <laughs> I was thinking, like, this is like a really great musical set. This is like something. It was it was like almost I felt like it was almost a shame because you were, if you had the time to stretch out that set. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, I, I probably could have expanded that set to like 90 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, he, he, it's like, this is such a musical set. It's so good. And it just sounds frustrating because it's, you're jamming it into like this small, what is it? 10 minute window or 15 minute window. 15. Yeah. And I was thinking like, you know, this is, this could have been an outstanding mixtape or, you know, like it would have been an amazing mix. And it's it's a it's a really good three style mix, but then I was thinking like wow like the 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 three style sets that I've seen that work are more there's a shock value in it. It's not really musical. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a lot of showmanship. It's a lot of like uh, which is I'm these are not I'm not shitting on any of these things, but it it's just like you're you're trying to really just tap into the crowd and you can do almost anything. You could shut off the music and yell and then drop some opera song and yeah. pretend you're singing the opera song and then just start dropping the Cardi B song that blends with it. And it's a lot of like braggadocious, like weird, you know, showmanship, I, you know? Yeah. I hear what you're saying. And like, th- th- those were like the elements that I didn't necessarily have to like, you know, get a first place type thing for mm-hmm. Canada or something. Like I just like, I like club DJing and I like, you know, I like playing that like, you know, one or two hour power set where, you know, you just can't get to just kind of like do your thing, but it's still like one or two hours, you know, it's not 15 minutes. Um, But, you know, I'm not, I don't have the DMC background. I don't have like, you know, I, I don't, I traded in practicing scratching for eight hours a day to, you know, bury my face in Ableton for eight hours a day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've kind of picked, pick my poison on that one. So basically just like catered those sets to sounding good, 
and not trying, trying to not like step over my boundaries of like what I can really do. Cause yeah, I did that before in like previous years and like to do three style, I had like, the more I did it, the more I was just like, I need to ha- be able to have fun up there instead of like feeling like this is right. Like a nightmare. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, it's weird because I was, I started to think, cause I was watching you up in that, in the video, the three style video. And I was wondering, I said, is there a narrative to younger DJs that they have to do the three style battle or they have to be built to do a three style battle? Do you know what I mean? And I was kind of looking at it cause I was like, this would have been such a great set if I heard it, or it would have been such a great mixtape. And I was kind of thinking, did Nick, Nick kind of think in the back of his head that he had to do, take these certain steps in order to, be respected or make it in this DJ field. And one of those is like, you know, I got to do the three style. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these dudes that I look up to did the three style. But then when you look at it, it's not really a fair or realistic representation of what's going on in the club. It's almost like a a false narrative, right? Yeah, to some degree, I hear what you're saying. Um, I don't really know what the best answer is, to be honest. I mean, no, there's no best it, answer. I'm it's, just kind of talking it, shit. It, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, no, totally. It, and it's, and it, you know, it, at, at the end, it's like, you know, it's a ton of fun. You meet new people. And yeah, I had done it a couple of times on the East coast when I still lived there and I still didn't really like fully understand like what went into a three style set. Like mm-hmm. the first, well, the first, very first like thing I did that was like that was in Halifax and it was at this event called the DJ Olympics. And it was part of this event called hopscotch, I think. And there were, they had like B-boy events and all that around that. And they had a thing that was like, kind of like three style. And in hindsight, it, it was pretty much like three style. And I just went up there and I just like DJed, you know, I played mostly dance records, but like, you know, I saw a few others then go up after me and they did like, you know, what you would usually see in like a pretty dope three style set, like, you know, a mm-hmm. disc here and there, like dope cuts and stuff. And I wasn't scratching by then. So, I, I mean, I kind of felt stupid or whatever, but, uh, but when I, so when I moved to Vancouver, like I didn't really know a lot of people. And when three style came up, I was like, okay, like this is, this is a platform for me to jump on and tell the, like the people who go to three style, like, like all the like, the, like I know a lot of people who like own clubs or managers, like they go to three style, the, the ones that care mm-hmm. about that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, like this is, this is what's going to help me, you know, say, Hey, I'm here. And I got luck. Well, I don't know about lucky or something, but I, I won Vancouver that year. And that was like, I definitely credit that platform to, you know, starting me off in that city to, a point where I was able to eventually quit the, my job and I had enough residencies to pay rent and do all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. when pe- people would ask me sometimes like a few years ago, like, you know, what should I enter three style or questions kind of hovering around that. And it's like, you don't really have anything to lose when you do it. Like you're it's at the, like the worst case is that like you've practiced more, you have like a couple little routine things that you can throw into your club set Mm -hmm. and you've got like, especially when they were doing video submissions, it's like, now you've got a video online. Like that's the, that's the worst case 
you get from applying. It's basically keeping like keeping you active, maybe even pulling a little bit something in you that you never would have actually, you know, pulled pause. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I spent probably two months of like 5am every night when I was doing 2013 and it was exhausting, but I, you know, I did stuff that like I never did before as a DJ. Yeah. Definitely. Like I always had like safe spots where, you know, I wasn't necessarily like the kind of DJ before to go into like the 70 to 90 beats per minute category. Like that kind of tempo wasn't my lane for a long time. Um, and then once I started getting gigs in Vancouver, like things change, you know, you have to adapt. And No, I definitely feel that. I think D miles was going to join a, he was going to compete. Right. But then you, you flaked out right on the three style. Yeah, it just wasn't. After I saw the work that was involved, I was like, I don't know if I love it. <laughs> Too much. It was like one of them things. If, if I don't, if I didn't love it, I wasn't gonna do it. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't want to go up there and be half-assed with something, knowing that I just didn't have like a love for it. And I feel like the people that are that were doing it could tell like I didn't love it, and that was my fear. Like I didn't want to go up there and misrepresent myself. That was the year Chris Villa and Jay Spinoza were both battling. <laughs> you were going to be. Yeah, like I saw jump. their submissions and I was like, I'm not even thinking on this wavelength. Nah, this, this motherfucker compete, was scared. You know? He was scared, yo. Nah, man. <laughs> he was like, so Chris Villa's on, bro. Chris so good, man. Hey, D, you were scared. It's all good, man. It's nah, all good. Man, that, that would be like them trying to like play me in basketball. Like they see me shooting and everybody like that. <laughs> in the end of the day what we can take from this podcast is that nick bike is a is more of a man than d miles is because nick bike I, and I, I you know what and i respect his wow heart. i respect it and there's no shame in that I, I, I tip my hat to you nick I tip my hat, brother. <laughs> you know why that's why nick bike gets invited to the playlist retreat right that's yeah, why we yeah. don't that's, that's why. why we don't get invited to nope. the playlist retreat you don't get invited anywhere anywhere oh man Yo, speaking of the playlist retreat, how was that? That is like a don't lie now, don't I, lie, don't I, lie. It's how do I describe right? it? It's, it's like <laughs> we're gonna say he can't tell us everybody else. <laughs> no, man, it's like it's a it's, secret society. It's, it's, secret. <laughs> it's, it's like you're going to summer camp with like your best friends, and then also like your favorite any kind of like your favorite athlete or your favorite artist or whatever. They're all there. Wow. <laughs> I heard sounds amazing. I heard you became really good friends with Biz Marquee and you guys like even text each other and like trade Pornhub links and stuff like that, right? <laughs> hey, yo, Nick oh, Bike, man. Nick Bike, yo, check hey, this yo, out. Nick. <laughs> two on one, oh, Nick, man. two on one. Yeah, come on, funny man. I hope he's okay. I don't yeah, know. What he is. Like nobody knows anything right now. Oh shit, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Prayers oh, for Briz. I'm about to bro. ask you that. Yeah, yeah, have you gotten in contact with him recently? I've asked. Like I know one guy who kept like regular phone calls with him, and he hasn't heard a thing. Oh. He said he said he talked to like Cool V or something, and he didn't really know anything. And oh, oh man. shit, damn man. Ugh. That's a that's good, tough, man. man. Yeah. He's been I mean, battling I've, with he's been battling sh- battling this out for a while now, right? I've, been, I've heard, I've seen a couple things where like people say that he's good, but I mean, you don't see him, so you know you don't you don't really know. Mm. One of the funniest guys I know, man. 
<laughs> he seemed like when I was watching some of the uh, like the behind the scenes because I wasn't there and I've, I'll never I'll probably never get invited. So I was watching the behind the scenes Instagram stories and videos. A biz biz look like a like a funny motherfucker like just so and he was very, and he and he had a, it looked like he had a really close relationship with everybody from a big DJ to an up and coming DJ. He was really. Just really inclusive about with of of like being around everybody, right? Yeah, he's he's not a not a jerk or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah. So the, the clips you're probably talking about, we we're just like sitting around, and he just told stories for like two hours, and yeah. like he he was telling them like like it was you know yesterday or something, and were, he's talking about things from like '83. <laughs> just like wow. <laughs> He's also like bullshitted me on the phone a couple times as well. So maybe he can spin a few, a few yarns, but I mean, it's all fun. And <laughs> how was, how was, uh, what, what was, can you explain a little bit of your experience at the playlist retreat? Yeah. So the, I got invited the first time in 2018 and then again, in 2019, it was pretty much everything I thought it would be. The only thing I thought there would be more of, I thought there would be more, uh, like, of all of us like actually working, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's work in like a different sense. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you go over there and you meet new people that you could work with. You do some work, but like, like there's, there's a few like brands like Roland and Serato and you, you learn about their products more and stuff that's coming out. And you just get to like build with these other you know, amazing DJs, amazing producers, amazing artists, vocalists, whatever. Every, everybody there, I noticed, like, there's no, like, there's no egos. There's no, you know, he, Jeff doesn't have time for nonsense. He's, he's dealt with enough of that in his life. So I, I feel like, you know, when you, when you get that invite, you know, you've probably crossed his, or you've, you've made it past the part where he realizes, you know, he's not going to get any bullshit from you. So, th- so there's there's a point where you guys split into teams and you guys like produce a beat or make a song, right? Yeah, it's like kind of over halfway through the whole thing. Yeah, and all ga- you all gather in a tent and there's, I mean, probably like twenty twenty five teams worth of worth of people, and then uh, there's twenty five teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say there's at least twenty. Wow. There was definitely more last year because I seem to it feel like it's just getting bigger and bigger every year, but from like four to six people or so. And then you just kind of split off. And I mean, there's only once like all the names get picked and everything, that's kind of like a sprint to find like a studio type space. Cause there's only so much room to mm-hmm. get stuff done. Um, so sometimes like the first year we, I think we recorded our vocals for our stuff in like a, like a trailer <laughs> and like some people got like real little studios. And otherwise we were also working in like a basement kitchen <laughs> so it, it it's definitely like a it's a team building thing and jeff finds out like you know your your personality and like what your what your strengths and what your weaknesses are and he figures that all out when he's putting together these teams and like you know the first year like we had like some a, a clash or two in our group and you know you have to you have to figure it out because you have like 24 hours to make a song basically oh, and wow. it's gonna be you're gonna play it in front of everybody so you know you want to kill it who was on your team who's on your team last year i mean last year we didn't really finish our thing in time it was like 
I think someone had to leave, our vocalists had to leave early mm. and that kind of like put us in a weird spot. But the first year uh, I was with uh, Sango and Nina Las Vegas and uh, Dominito. Nina Las Vegas uh, is a shit, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. She's yeah. incredible. And uh, we had one of, one of Jeff's old friends who, uh, fuck, I, I won't remember his name, but he, he used to be like a, a Motown session player in like the late eighties. Wow. Um, so he was, he had his like, you know, 88 key work machine with him. And he was just like, he, he did drum lines on the keys for us. <laughs> and he, he definitely had like that, that, uh, session player mentality where it was like, you know, he'll come in and be like, what do you want me to do? Like, okay, we need you to do this. And like 10 minutes later, you know, he did half our song. That's crazy. <laughs> Who won the battle? Uh, well, they don't pick a winner in the end, but like, you know, everybody's in the, in this big tent after, and they got a big system set up and, okay, and they play all the songs for everyone. And, you know, people react to certain ones and you, and you get all the files at the end and you get to hear them all back. And some of them, you know, end up on the internet after like, there was one that, uh, decap and Dominito finished, uh, two years ago. I forget. It's like a Brazilian Catronata type thing. I forget what it was called. Yeah. I always wondered what, what happened with that music, you know, cause I would see some of the behind the scenes and I'd see all these I mean, little teams like getting together. And I was like, would it, it would have been dope if they just like dropped like a compilation. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Jeff doesn't say like, you know, we're going to put it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> even if it's Which not, even if it's not amazing shit, you know, like just put it out because it's kind of like an yeah. experience. But, right. But I think that's part of it is like, you know, there's so many collaborators on the one thing. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, it seems easy. Jeff should just be like, you know, if you're going to do this, this is going to go on like SoundCloud or Bandcamp or something. Yeah. yeah. Raise the stakes a little bit. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It would have been interesting because I would have loved to hear what came out of that, you know. But I guess I I understand. Maybe I think we all would have been judgmental too. Like if some whack shit came out, we were like, "That's what y'all did at, at jazz." I mean, <laughs> I mean, like pretty much every group had like one or two superstars on it. So there was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anything that was like bad, right? And most most groups, like in 2018, we came up with two beats worth of stuff. Oh, mm. that, that's where our, my other or, um, our other member was uh, Mumu Fresh. She's uh, like more solo stuff, and she was also in the like the Roots mm-hmm. uh, singers. So she's been around that circuit, and she's like amazing vocalist, and she also rapped on our one of our beats and. So that that was a really good session in terms of productivity because we had everyone kind of firing and yeah, nice. I think it would be dope, man, to just to just release some of that shit, have it be available. It would be like it. Would, I know, right? It would be so great because uh, I see I see the recaps and it, it looks great, and just hearing some of that music, especially if there's twenty teams, like you know, pick maybe fifteen out of them. That's kind of like a full length album, if anything, you know. And there were. There's definitely, out of both years, there's definitely like three or five standout songs that I'd be like, right. these sound like you took, you know, two, four, six, eight weeks to make. Mm-hmm. Like not, like last year we had less than 24 hours to finish our song. And some of the stuff that came out of it was just like, wow, like 
So you guys don't um, keep the songs. You can't keep it for yourself, or yeah, like everyone gets the 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 files at the end of everybody's songs, okay. and but I think afterwards it's just kind of like you know not everybody has contact with those same people necessarily, and some people don't want that just put out. So I think it would be kind of on Jeff to be like you know if you do this, we're gonna put it out. So right. deal deal with it. <laughs> Or at least give everyone like a, a week to refine it afterwards and then put it out or something, you know? Something like that. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm, I'm wondering, what is what is the time process for you in production? Is it, you know, it is it I fairly mean, it, is it fairly quick? Because it seems like you work quick and I know it's a lot of work, you know? It, it depends, but mostly I try to be efficient about it because mm-hmm. – um, Sometimes I'm not efficient about picking certain projects because I'll just like one day, maybe at the start of the morning, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to work on this today. And then, you know, maybe new song comes out that I want to, that I really like and be like, oh, like I could do something to this. So I'll kind of like get diverted in that path and I might finish it the same day. I might spend two weeks on it, but you know, it's just kind of like what I'm into and what I can kind of maximize my productivity on i mean some days i have to like put put the hammer down and be like no i have to do this like this has to be done and i have to be done with it because i don't like i don't like sitting on a lot of things because a lot of the stuff is kind of like that it's like like i have that spur of the moment be like oh i'm really into this right now and you know i might not be in a week or two weeks or four weeks um so i want to get those ideas out um before they kind of go away and I'm not really like, I'm not writing original music or anything. So I'm not like, I still kind of feel that way about original stuff too, is like, you know, there's, there's personal and environmental context to like putting your ideas into in in converting that into music and your emotions and stuff. And those don't necessarily exist even like maybe later that day. So I try to definitely, you know, capitalize on what I'm feeling at the time and, try to you know work my best then i know i had a question for nick nick you're you're pressing up actually uh, a lot of stuff on 45 too aren't you i was for a bit there um i used to go through rainbow in uh california and then they closed mm. um when did they close and it, that was earlier this year uh, before pre-covid it was like just after it i think oh wow like May or something. Mm. It's hard to find, uh, <laughs> hard to find plants that'll press bootlegs. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think, cause I started looking into it. There, there's a play. Yeah. Have you heard of, I think it's called tangible formats. I think. No, no. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I stumbled upon them and they're actually, I think they, from what the guy that I watched a review on, on YouTube, he said they do some, like they were doing like a lot of old Diplo stuff or they do some major laser mm. stuff too, but they, you know, um, they look like pretty, pretty solid. But what I really wanted to segue to is, have you heard of the phono cut that's coming out? No. A new, like, professional, you know, high quality um, uh, record lathe for, for home use that's coming out. Oh, wow, really? Arch, yeah. And, I mean, uh, I've, heard, I've heard of something like that for a while, but I didn't know who, who it was called. Well, Vestax made one years ago the vinyl yeah. cut. No, like, not the vinyl 
Yeah, the vinyl cutter, I think, by Vestax. It was like five or $7,000 or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was some like, now it's just shit like that. I, I remember that. And then like a couple of little rinky-dink ones. It was fucking you know, huge. Huh? <laughs> yeah. The Vestax one was huge. Yeah. Yeah, so this uh, this new one coming out, they're taking pre-orders. It's If you pre-order before, I think sometime in March, I think it's about 2500 and I think it's three grand after March or some shit. But I just mm. literally, I just know it from, you know, uh, yeah. 145. But I, And I think it cuts multiple sizes, I want to say. I'm not 100%. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. So now I'm contemplating getting one. But uh, <laughs> you're going to have a sweatshop in your crib? <laughs> yeah. no, like yeah. the office, bro. I fell in love with like dub cutting machines like from in the 90s. And I always wanted to own one. And I just can't find. I mean, they have some old clunkers uh, that you could find mm-hmm. on like reverb and shit like that. But, you know, this this one piqued my interest. And I and I did see. I love everything that you do with the uh, you'll take like RF, like certain record labels and, you know, work your name into it. Like, with, I don't know if I think you did RFC. Um, you, you did a Nick bike version of that, maybe Buddha and stuff like that. Oh, I, I love all the little, the artwork that you use and how you I edit. have uh, two in, in the early spring or late winter on uh, black Buffalo in Halifax. And they flipped uh, Casablanca record label and uh, the, the label Al Green was on high. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. They, flip, they flip the script to yo. <laughs> oh no shit! Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, really cool. Really, uh, and the, the the blow the whistle thing is on the the Casablanca one, so that'll oh, be. Oh wow! How much right. is it? How much is it to press like a forty five? Is there minimums? Yeah, I mean it depends. Uh, the, like who you're going through, they have different minimums, but most are a hundred. A hundred units. Yeah. And then what's the cost? But, like two something, or what is it? No, if you're if you're just doing like like not fancy artwork, just like plain text and all that, yeah, um, you can probably get in at under twelve hundred after shipped. Oh wow! So yeah. and and just to be clear, but Nick, you're talking about full on like pressing plants, right? With a with yeah. And yeah. sorry, the, the twelve hundred is probably for three hundred, not for a hundred. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's kind of expensive. Yeah. But but when you do, but when you do a hundred like uh a lot of your cost is in like the setup fees and the cost to like uh cut the lacquer and things right, like right, that right, right. And, um so once you start at 100 going up to like three five a thousand is like Doesn't exponentially right. less than price goes down yeah, yeah. so like 100 100 will probably still cost you like 900 bucks mm-hmm. um, see now yeah so the, the difference between finding a, a full like full on pressing plant and then also now this other company that i mentioned uh is actually they do they do lathe cuts lathe cutting of vinyl which is you know you don't have to make you know it, the, the setup process is way more scaled down and a lot more low cost so i'm seeing prices of you know they'll let you do 10 units at like 15 a 15 per record, you know? Yeah. And then if you wanted them to do artwork, there would be an upcharge for anything else you wanted to add to it. But I was actually surprised because, unfor- I mean, unfortunately, there's, there's some stuff, especially like when I really dig into like, just like some album cuts on some, for some reggae artists and stuff like that, that just didn't, I'm only buying, buying 45s now. I have enough 12 inch vinyl, unless I come across something that's just bananas, I'll get it. But, and there's just some things on 45 that 
are just not out there. I was like looking mm-hmm. for like BT, even like BT Express, if it don't turn you on. Yeah, you can get it off their album, but it's just, it's like no 45 of it, but that's something that yeah. I could be like doing an edit of or something like that and pressing it up. So that's, uh, that's a perk of being at the playlist is Jeff brings his guy in from like Germany or something and he brings his lathe cutter. Wow. And oh, shit. you can get, uh, you can press up whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and Kenny is doing it now too. Well, Kenny, well, Kenny started his online shop, which I, you yeah. know, and I talk about it a lot. Yeah. But, but isn't uh, I did he? I think he mentioned uh, he was he bought a pressing plant. Is he doing pressings now? I heard something. Are you talking Kenny- about Kenny Dope? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, like you say, he was pressing he was, his own records. I think um, he was pondering it, but I don't know if he has his own spot. Okay. But I, th- I mean, he might be working on it. But as far as I know, like I, I actually emailed him like a few weeks ago, and I was like, yo, like, where do you get stuff pressed now? And he's like like in terms of bootlegs and he's like, I don't know, man, it's the wild west right now. <laughs> Damn, so I don't know if Damn, he, he shut, he shut you that. down on the contact, yo. He didn't try to, he didn't shoot <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, he wasn't giving you that at all, bro. <laughs> but he, he's like, I remember he said that, he said that, yo, fam, it's a wild west out there, yo. I mean, that wasn't my question. That cut, wasn't what I asked though. Okay? That's his way of saying, <laughs> uh, you gotta, you gotta you try to cut the middleman out, bro. That's what he tried to tell you like, yeah, you ain't getting my contact, man. It's a wild west out there, bro. <laughs> That's funny. Yo, because I, I got a question. So when you're talking about the lathe cutter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what is it? You, normally vinyl is, it, do you have to buy a mold? Do you have to pay for a mold? Is that what it is? Not on a lathe cut. Right. But typically vinyl is made. You have to. Cut is like a, it's like a dub cut. It's like a dub plate, right? Right. It's almost like a. Yeah. Like it. it kinda, it'll cut it, into. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have the same like lifespan as a regular record. But a regular record, a vinyl record, you would have to pay for the the mold, and the mold is probably the most expensive thing, right? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of fees that go into it that, you know, it, it adds up quick for sure. Wow, insane. Well, we'll, we'll check back in, man. I, I would, I, I have never really been into like collecting vinyl. I always thought of it as like such a pain and stuff like that. But never's been getting I mean, into the forty fives. I don't. I don't buy twelves anymore unless it's like you know. I like unless it's something I want to play in the living room or something. Yeah, I, I chill I with the, um, twelve inches. I just do the forty fives now. Is yeah. it just a space factor for you guys? Is that what it is? Yeah, and also I've got like one bag here that I can take to a gig, and you know I don't have to take three big giant boxes <laughs> is that a tote bag by the way or what what kind of bag is that are you in the tote, ga- in the tote bag game as well this is yeah. uh the homie depot joint no this is one of the actually might be one of the nicest things i own this is a rich medina bag by tucker and oh, bloom oh wow yeah. nice I love those oh shit bag, which, yeah and it's like velvet inside and it fits oh. 150 records yeah Damn. and it's yeah it's very nice it's, and it it fits uh, it fits right in front of under my in front of the seat on an airplane. Oh shit! Yeah, nice. So, nice. And, and, and you can and I you put can my go. laptop in the top part here, so it's very very convenient. Oh shit! That's dope. And you can go fishing in it. It looks like a fishing bag. Tackle box too. Got them Eddie Bauer colors in there. I like it. Hmm. Uh, is there anything we else we want to touch on? Pause. Uh, I yeah. think we're done touching. Covered yeah. everything. Is there anything we want to touch on? Is there anything you want to talk about? Is there any any anybody you want to air out, Nick? You know, 
No, uh, no, no. He's not. thinking. Not on the <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> I don't do that on the internet anymore. Oh, oh, boy, okay. I thought about it. He's, a, mm. he's, he's changed better. ever since he went to Patreon. He's changed, man. You know, yeah. it's a different yeah. Nick. Everything now is just behind a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. I wanted to play this earlier, but I guess we could play it out. But I want. Uh, we were talking about your one of your edits and your remixes and and for the club and I, I think this is one of those that I really thought was one of the best ones was the um the uh, the box with the, the box. controller that was a great one that you did controller, that's with yeah, that's, uh, nice. that's with and that's um, so I do a lot of stuff with Adam W mm-hmm. and he's like he's like the writing machine that I partner with because he's he's musically gifted and he knows how to write. So we're a great combo because we don't have any conflicting, um, strengths. Cause you know, I'll be like, okay, like I think we need some stuff that can fit in here and it could sound like this. And he, mm-hmm. he knows how to do all that. And he doesn't necessarily know like the same technical stuff in Ableton that I do. So it's, it's a great kind of tag team because in like two or three passbacks of a session, we can finish something because uh, we don't overlap in those areas. So, and that like the, the box thing I did with him and I just told him, I was like, this sounds like uh, the box reminds me of Controla. And I was like, I know the chords aren't right to do something straight up like that, just like a straight up blend or something. So I was like, can you flip this and rewrite and then I can patch in some stuff. Oh, and wow. He, actually, he happened to be uh, actually visiting shortly after, so we were able to finish that in person. So but, he actually remade the keys, huh, and everything? Yeah, he, he rewrote it, and then we just kind of patched in like some similar-sounding stuff. Damn, I was about to say, that blend sounded like butter. You know, like it was like <laughs> melted butter on a toasted yeah. bagel. So he, it was so like, he, you know? He, 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 he wrote it for the box, basically, wow. but he tailored it more to like the controller uh, style. that's great because it sounded so perfect and i was like wow how did they get yeah. it so perfect i want to play a little bit of it hold on play out the coupe at the lot told him for a 12 fuck swat buzzing all the bells out the box i just hit the lick with the box had to put the stick in the box the whole damn seal i'ma get lazy i got the mojo deal we been trapping like the yeah listening to it now it really sounds it's just really good it's like butter man it, it goes and together in the, well in the the last like build up he uh he did like a an ode to uh, summer madness with like the, the synth kind of mm-hmm. stacking on top of each other. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's all Adam. He, and I hate when people tag me on stuff on like Instagram and Twitter and they don't include him because like, he's, he's definitely a big part of it. <laughs> that's dope, man. Yeah. I mean, shout to Adam, man. Shouldn't shout to you, man. We appreciate Adam. Go ahead. And Adam's a, Adam's a Canadian three style champion too. So he won in 2013. Oh shit. Nice. Uh, so y'all, can, y'all Canadians love the three style, huh? Y'all love doing that shit. <laughs> y'all love battling. <laughs> y'all the nicest motherfuckers, but y'all love to battle, man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Uh, is that, um, look, Nick, thank you. I, I, is there anything else you want to touch on this, on this remix? Because I love it, man. It was a great job. 
Both of you guys. I don't think so. But then, like, like with any kind of beats like that we make, we'll be like, okay, what can we fit else? What 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 else can we fit on this? So I think we did like four more versions with different vocals, and we put it out as a pack. Oh, nice. So there's like a JT one. There was a Tony Braxton one, and I forget who else we did. But yeah. Yeah, man. Yo, Nick, thank you so much for coming through on the Road Podcast. Wow. I really appreciate you coming through, and uh, I'm I'm looking. I think we're all looking forward to what you have in store for real. Like, uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward. I, I can't wait to hear more from you and, and to see you just glow up and, and do your thing, man. For real. Appreciate that. Um, Got lots for sure. Yeah, let's do it, Eddie. Eddie, thank you, man, for coming through, guest hosting with us. Yes. Matt, Mac Agency, Nick Bike. Hopefully, I'll see you in Vegas very soon, right? In 2021. Yeah, yeah. I, hope, I hope so too. Yeah, man. <laughs> we'll go out. We'll get. We'll get fucked up, man. Yeah. <laughs> no more 7 a.m. <laughs> flights next time. No. Nah. Go on Twitter for a while. Yeah, get, get, I might, change no shit. Cap services, even man. No, no <laughs> shit. I might have to book the 7 p.m. flight next time. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. smart, man. Smart man. Now you're learning, Nick. <laughs> you're fucking learning now. I like it. <laughs> like. That that first time back when it all comes back is going to be yeah, it's going to yeah. Be well, like, you see what Matt Maddox said uh, from when he's like when when Vegas reopens. Hey, I think he was saying like New Year's Eve going into twenty twenty two is going to be like the end of prohibition. Like yeah, it's going to be so fucking wild. Like and I, like he said it perfectly. And I'm a, I, well, I'm obviously I'm a big fan of everything he does over there. I, I, I you know, but to hear him say that, it's like very hopeful tweet. Yeah, man. Hopefully, this- we'll we'll be all together to to, to fuck it up all together, Paul. <laughs> all this talk has me hopeful. So yeah, yeah. man. Um, what do you call it? So if you want to watch this episode on YouTube or view some of our older episodes as well, you can go to youtube.com slash road podcasts. Like, comment, subscribe. We post new episodes every Thursday. Every Thursday, y'all, without fail. So definitely come check out the new episodes on YouTube on Thursdays. And on Fridays on YouTube, we've been posting our older Sunday battles from Twitch. So Jamie and I have been working really hard to get these older battles on YouTube for you guys to watch. So every Friday, you can check these older battles on YouTube. And you can also check the newer battles on Sundays at twitch.tv slash roadpodcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitch and uh, subscribe if you can. We just started a new Tuesday on Twitch as well called Road Tuesdays. Basically, everyone in the crew alternates every week. You could check Never One Week, Jamie One Week, G Miles the next week, and myself the next week. Hopefully, you know, we'll start incorporating some of the homies and have them do some guest spots as well on Tuesdays. So definitely check that out. Twitch.tv slash roadpodcast. And um, thank you guys. Appreciate it. I'll see you guys on the flip side, 2021 or 2022. Let's do it right. 21, yeah. not 22. 21, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Peace, y'all. Thank, thank you, Nick. Thank you. Uh, thank yeah, you, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it.